What up, what up, what up? It's season two, episode... Whoa, I almost knocked down. I almost knocked down my whole studio. It's season two, episode three. Uh, it's the Idea Manhood. Yo, thank you so much for tuning in. It's your boy, Five Mike's husband, father, educator, writer, MC. The microphone gives me wings. Um, yo, thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, you know, there's... It, it, there's a war going on outside. No man is safe from it. It's serious out here everywhere. Everywhere. It's so serious right now. I don't know about you all, but for me, um, like everything just seems so heavy, man. Like everything. Every time you turn on the news, it's another black man that's been shot by the police. Um, to the point now where it's like, like, come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, this has got to be, and and the way that social media works and the way that your timeline works is like, when I see a message of another black man that's been shot, I'm skeptical at first. Like, I don't know if that's just me, but I'm like, really? No way. Nah, this is fake. Like, I don't, I don't know what to believe. Like, I don't know what story is what because, you know, regular media, the television and things, like, pick and choose what story is important, what story is, you know, they're going to highlight. And then on social media, you know, like, every story is, like, breaking new. Every story seems so, uh, you know, like, so right now. And so I never know, like, is this real? You know, yesterday there was a school shooting uh, in an elementary school in South Carolina. And I've been watching the news all morning, watched the news last night, and I didn't see one mention of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're still talking about the debate. They're still talking about Samsung phones blowing up. Like, everything, like, what, what, what is our attention to be placed on? You know, so when it comes to these men... These black men, you know, being shot by the police, it's like the narrative is such that, you know, first, I I hate, like, I am so upset about how the media, I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully, I probably, I probably should just say it, like, I hate that they always say that the man is unarmed, you know what I'm saying? Like, like having a weapon, just having one gives you the right to be killed. You know what I'm saying? Like, they always say an unarmed black man was shot today. And I feel like they say unarmed to make the white people feel safe. Like, oh, he was unarmed, guys. Like, it's okay. You could you could read on. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know. The whatever news outlet, whatever news source is reporting, you know, they they do all they can to completely like disarm and to make the reader feel like it's okay for them to feel sorry for this man that just got shot by the police for doing nothing. That's the part of the story that that really of all of these stories that like makes me so upset. That really upsets me because they'll say, you know, 
an unarmed, the headline, an unarmed, another unarmed black man was shot today. And then you go into this by the police, you go into the story and then they'll say, you know, Ray Ray Stevens was shot by the cops today. He had his hands up. He uh, was mentally retarded. Uh, He just came from saving 18 dogs at a dog shelter. Um, He was crying. Uh, He, uh, you know, didn't have any guns on him. He was not on drugs. Uh, or reports are still searching on whether or not he had he was on drugs. He had something in his hand, but we're not quite sure. Like, so what I'm hearing the media saying, man, is that if you have something in your hand, you deserve to be shot. Or it gives cops the benefit of the doubt, da- or it, it removes the benefit of the doubt of the cops that shot you because maybe maybe you had something in your hand. He was moving very slowly, so if you move fast, you deserve to get shot. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, he had his hands raised, uh, so if you have your hands down, you deserve to get shot. Oh, okay. Um, he was walking, you know, he was backing up from his car, or he was sitting down on the curb in a defenseless position. So if you are in an offensive position, you deserve to get shot and killed. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So give me the rules. Like, what what are the rules? Because what I'm hearing is a lot of excuses for police to shoot people, right? And I'm from the place now, like, I'm coming from the mindset now that if a police shoots, if a policeman shoots or a policewoman shoots a person, I don't think we should put out there what race it is. Because I would assume that just based on population and based on the percentages of people, and I would assume that cops are shooting white people too. I could be wrong, but I'm sure a cop has shot a white person sometime in the past couple months. But all we see is black people, and I think that that desensitizes all of us. That desensitizes everyone because everybody hates black people. You know what I'm saying? Like, black people hate black people. Thank you, racism. Like, that's what racism has done. It's caused us to be super critical and to remove the benefit of the doubt of, of other black people. Like, that's what it's done. And so, you know, I relate that back. I connect that back to the podcast in terms of, like, it just doesn't seem right right now to talk about, you know, I really want, I, I, I'm interested, I really want to talk about Beanie Siegel and and and, uh, and and Meek Mill and Game and The Beef and Sean Kingston's Patois. And, you know, I want to talk about all that, but, like, right now, it just seems like it's not the time. Like, we got to focus right now. And so for the podcast idea of manhood, like, I got to focus on the issues that, are most important to, you know, the folks that might listen to the podcast. You know, one of that, that see the title and like, oh, the idea of manhood? What is he talking about? I can't be talking about how the title, the idea of manhood, and come up here and talk about Meek Mill because that's not my idea of manhood right now. You know what I'm saying? It might be next week in two weeks, two months, two years, but right now it's not. So, um, you know, things are so heavy right now, man. I don't even know. You know, there's a lot going on in my life personally, 
and um and and just every time you turn on the TV is something different. It's something else that we have to focus on. It's another you know, it's another topic that we have to protest and march on. You know, that shit is draining. You know what I mean? That is like you know, so I don't even know. Like I, I came on I came on air, I turned on the microphone and I was just like I'm going to talk about something today. I don't know what it's going to be about. I don't have a topic today, y'all. I really don't. Like I was going to come and talk about the debate, but that's been beat to death. You know, that's been beaten to the ground. I was going to come and talk about um you know, the shootings. But that too was like I'm 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 desensitized to it. I can't talk about that all day every day. Like I'm angry about that all day every day. I was gonna talk about racism, but you know, everybody's racist. Like I can't, I can't handle that right now. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I was gonna talk about some community stuff happening, and you know, here's some good news. My son's school was rated the best elementary school in Maryland. Saw a poll the other day, and my son's school was was number one, and that made me feel good. Um, at the same time, I had a meeting. Oh, you know what? I'll talk about it. I had a meeting the other day. My wife and I went and met with my son's teachers. Um, and, you know, it was a great meeting. You know, it was a great meeting. Um, you know, I think it's important with the idea of manhood and with my podcast and my platform that I want to be able to highlight the highs and lows. You know, when it comes to how I handle my social media and my different platforms, like, I don't want to just show, you know, my kids doing amazing things, or I don't want to just show us with smiles on our faces all the time because that's not reality to me. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm going to, I, I want to choose to highlight, you know, the good and the bad and show people that, you know, you can, especially fathers, like when things aren't going the way you want them to go, you still have to be consistent. You still have to be there. You still have to stand in that moment. And so my my, my son, my son has been acting up at school um, and not acting up to the point where I need to punch him in the face. But just, you know, it's a mixture of being a 10 year old boy and a mixture of you know, being in fifth grade and a mixture of, you know, just most kids being jerks between the age of three years old and 17 years old. You know, kids go through a series of, of you know, their asshole meter is, is extremely high at different points in time during their childhood. And my son was definitely being a jerk in school, um, you know, but he has the unique ability to be a jerk and to also be a great student. So, you know, grades were coming home and his grades were good. You know, he was still making all, still making all A's, still coming home, making all A's and B's. But he was doing good in practice and, you know. But if you have a 10-year-old or have been around a 10-year-old, you know that, you know, they're going through this weird phase where they're still children. Like, they, he's still a kid. But, you know, he's being introduced to adult conversations and to more mature 
topics that his brain can't really handle and he's introduced to more sayings and seeing adult-like behavior that he can't really mimic but they all try to you know so you have 10 and 11 year olds that are like trying to be teenagers and trying to do what their what their parents do but they can't handle you know the responses that they receive from it and that's how i man that's how i process it that my son was in school trying to be you know trying to be his dad you know he's trying to be you know a talker he's trying to be you know cool and hip and he's just not like he's just that's just not him you know he's really like a a, a nerd like not a nerd he's not a nerd at all um but he's just like a, a, you know, he's kind of like an insensitive, you know, a sensitive, insensitive kid. It's really hard to describe. You know, he's not cool in the sense of he knows all the songs on the radio, but, you know, he's well liked by his friends and he tries to be like all the people he sees on Nickelodeon, these brash kids that say cool things and mean things to adults and get away with it and his teachers were like no sir that's not how it works and so um you know his teachers sent us an email and um you know that his behavior wasn't what it should be and that you know he was talking too much in class he was just talking too much talking too much doing what the young kids refer to as the most. And so, um, you know, at first I was like superheated because the way that it was expressed to me via email by the teacher was like, you know, he was just being 10. Like, and I'm like, you know, I'm an educator. So I'm like, handle that. You know what I'm saying? Don't call me for that. Don't email me saying that my kid is talking. Tell him to stop talking. And then we'll be good. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't do that. I don't I don't need to know every time my kid is, an, uh, is a jerk in school. Or I don't need to know every time my kid, you know, uh, leans over to his neighbor to, to tell, to talk to him about something that's not on task. That's your job as a classroom manager. Handle that. Um, so my wife and I are like, you know what? Let's, let's go to the school. You know, let's go talk to these teachers and and tell them what's up and and not tell them but to hear what's up and then share with them our expectations and go on go from there and so this this is the first time that we've had to do that and go and talk to the teacher about our kids behavior and you know what it was a humbling experience and you know it 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 just really solidified that you know this parenting thing is a two-person job You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, one person could do it. You know, if if I was a single dad, I could do it. If, if, If my wife was a single mom, she could do it. But for it to, I don't know, man. Like, throughout this meeting with our son's teachers, you know, they definitely, I have, my son has a, a, a two, two women teachers. One is a white woman. One is a black woman. And the black woman started off and just saying, you know, your son is a cool kid. He's super smart, but he's talking too much. And, you know, he's just not on task and it needs to stop. And, you know, um, 
you know, he and she gave some examples, and you know that was it. And I and and the way that she expressed it was just like you know, just he just needs to be, you know, it just needs to be reinforced. We need to talk about. It. We need to work on it. And she presented it in a way that was like, you know, it, it gets it gets bad sometimes, but he he's not a bad kid, you know. And that's how it was presented. Like, okay, all right, we can work on that. And then the white teacher talked. Um, you know, she's a great teacher. She's been teaching for 20 plus 30 something years. And um, her whole demeanor and her whole approach about how she was talking about my son was just real. Uh, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I looked in her face as she was talking and she started off like, no, your son is 95% of the time he's not focused. Mm. I and and uh, you know, and I don't know white people you probably don't understand this, but black people like you know when you're interacting with someone and they had a teaspoon of racism that morning, like they just sipped it and they didn't really like take the whole thing. Like they didn't they didn't take the whole uh measuring cup of racism, but they had a teaspoon and it was still on their lips a little bit. And, you know, her lips were pursed and she was just like, look at my book. And she was saying my son's name. He's there. He's there. He's there. And he just, he's not focused. And then, and, and so I'm like, I'm listening. I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, okay, okay. All right. So, you know, hey, the way you hear me talk here is how I talk to every single person in my life. Like, I don't have any fear. I don't have any. I'm not bowing down. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I was like, okay, well, help me understand this, Miss Teacher. Um, I hear what you, you know, I hear you. You know, he's not focused. His behavior is, is what it is. Um, you know, but but how is he getting his work done? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he has 100 in your class. Like, of all, like, he had tests, quizzes, assignments, projects. So if he's off ta- if he's off task, as you say, 90% and 95% of the time, when is he getting his work done? And so <clears throat> you ever interact with someone and you can tell that they assume that you were going to react in a certain way. So they started the interaction at 100 <clears throat> as opposed to, you know, most people start interactions, you know, 50-50. Like, all right, let me test the waters out, you know, until I know who this person is. And if I have to raise it, I'll raise it. If I have to lower it, I'll lower it. And some people, based on who they think you are and based on how you look, based on what they think you're coming to the table with, they'll start at a 1,000. And then you got to kind of like massage them a little bit and and get them to calm down a little bit and so that was my role yesterday in this meeting so you know some of the things that she was saying about our son you know some of them i could tell that by the you know knowing who he is like yep that sounds about right yep yeah that's him and some of the things i was like Okay. All right. I hear you. I hear you. And so, but it was in that moment that I had to utilize, like I had to just utilize some judgment in that moment. I could have fought the lady. I could be like, no, that's not, that's not, that can't be right. You know, I could have did that, but I had to meet her where she was. You know what I'm saying? I had to be like, okay, okay. I hear you. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. But explain to me this. 
um, you know, developmentally, I had to, I had to take, I had to pull out some education jargon on her real quick. I had to flex on her really, just let her know that I know what I'm talking about, you know. So I asked her like, you know, so of this behavior, when you say he's 95% off task, how is he getting his work done? Two, that's one. Two, um, of an average 10-year-old boy in your class, what is the percentage of of their on task and off task in comparison in, in this specific class is our son the only one that's off task like is he just tap dancing in the corner by himself or is it you know is it a class is it a mixture of the behaviors in the classroom you know is it when he's with certain kids you know we'll we're definitely going to address the behavior with him but give me some context into what I'm what I'm going to address with him and so it just you know and by me giving a little bit and just being a little bit more, you know, softer with her, it caused her to soften. It was amazing. So she came in with a little bit of race on her lips. And then by the end, she was like, you guys are such great parents. You know, with my son, he went through the same thing. And I'm just so thankful that I got him through college. You know, he's 22 and he's finally, you know, oh, you know, your son, you know, he has his moments. But, you know, I tell you, he's such a likable kid. All the kids love him. And I mean, like by the <laughs> by the end of the conversation, like she was just telling us how great our son was. You know what I'm saying? But at the beginning of the conversation, she had her clipboard and her lips were purged like, mm, 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 mm. you know, uh, it was just, it was a fascinating experience. And so like, I think it's like, as I get older and I think it's like my, my people background, like my counseling background is saving my life right now. Like my, my counseling background, you know, in all seriousness has saved my marriage. And not that it was like on the, you know, on the cusp of, uh, of being, you know, of being unsaved, you know what I'm saying? Um, but my counseling background has saved my marriage. My counseling background has made me a better father. Uh, it's made me a better employee. It's caused me to be able to, um, to get certain things out of certain situations because of the way that I approach the situation or the way that I'm able to assess the situation before it even starts. You know what I'm saying? Like that counseling background, I got to give a hand clap to James Madison University. You know, that that college student personnel administration, when everybody was like, college student personnel, you need a degree to be a college administrator. First of all, yes, you do. But second of all, the, the, the amazing experience I had in grad school was really centered on my counseling degree. So my degree is in counseling. And the things I learned from my group counseling class, you know what I'm saying? Um, from my counseling theories class, like save my life to this day. I think it allows me to be able to go into any environment, assess a situation, fit right in and get what I need to get out of the situation, get people to say what I need them to say. And so in this situation, you know, I was able to assess and see where my, where the, my son's teacher was at the time and come in there and disarm her. You know what I'm saying? Cause she was armed 
Like, she was ready. And I think she thought we were going to come in there and scream and be like, uh-uh, our son is the best. And that, Because that's probably what she's used to. Um, but we went in there like, look, our son is going to get it. Like, we're going to go and we're going to fix this. Like, please don't believe that he's going to come in here ever again and be a problem because he's not. Um, but we need to know exactly what we're addressing. And so when I was able to say, like, can you pinpoint, you know, can you give me examples as opposed to making these broad sweeping generalizations, give me some examples. And she did. And I was like, that's it. So I was like, we were able to break down, you know, what does it mean when she say, you know, there's some day, you know, I asked her, you know, how often is he on task versus off task? Like 95% off task. And I was like, no, that's not, that's impossible. Because I've been in a classroom, homie. You know what I'm saying? I've seen when kids are 95% off task and they don't make the grades my son makes. You know, they don't love school the way my son loves school. The kids that are off task are the kids that are, you know, in the back, not paying attention. They don't understand. They're failing. You know what I'm saying? They're not proficient or above proficient or mastering different subjects you know they don't come home rushing to do their homework like i got this dad and get so excited you know so when i explained that to her she's like well no not you know not all the time but there are times when he's completely off task and that there are times when you know he's so excited about the material but i was like blah, blah, blah. i'm like oh okay explain break it down like don't give me general sweeping don't give me sweeping generalizations. Break it down. And I think that with, with certain kids, and what I find, with black kids, like there's certain teachers that, <clears throat> that make sweeping generalizations and pigeonhole kids into being X, Y, and Z based on a few experiences, a few bad experiences. Mind you, we're not even at the midpoint of the quarter yet. We haven't even got progress reports yet. So you saying that our son is 95% off task, what are you basing that on? Are you basing that on one day? Was it a bad week? Is it the whole month? Has it been since the beginning of the school year? Don't pigeonhole my kid into being off task if he's still, you know, if there are certain things in the environment <clears throat> that are preventing him from being off on task. If he's still getting his work done and he's still you know, participating in class, then maybe, you know, maybe there's other things at play here. But outside of my son's situation, you know, I was able to be there and be a father in that moment. And I know for a fact, it doesn't matter what anybody says to me, however anybody thinks fathers are relevant or that single parents could do whatever, I was able to be who I was in that moment because I am a father in this family. I couldn't be a stepfather. I couldn't be a, 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 a weekend dad and come in and do that. I was also able to do that because my wife was sitting right by me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't have been able to come in there and take that demeanor if I didn't have my wife right there. You see what I'm saying? So it was like, it was something about... Even though my wife, for the most part, you know, she was there. She was an active participant in the conversation. But she gave me the green light was like, babe, this is yours. You know what I'm saying? And having that confidence from her, 
allow me to be like, all right, it is mine, and we gonna handle that, okay, okay, like you know what I'm saying? Like it, it gave me a certain uh, confidence in that situation, and it just, it just, it, it allowed me to connect to other other things. Like, yo, if you go in there as a team, can nobody do nothing to you? If you go in there and your husband and the wife and your team, or you know, you have a partner. If you have a partner that believes in you and you can go into a situation and and manipulate and get from it what you need and what you want and better serve whoever it is you're serving, whether it's your kids, whether it's your employees, whether it's your family, whether it's your neighbors, whatever it is. So that was my takeaway for today. Um, You know, uh, and for those that are wondering, our son is fine, man. He's good. Like, he's a good, good kid. Like, 10 years old. He takes care of his sister. You know, he, um, you know, he, he's, but he's very much 10. You know what I'm saying? We're not, he's advanced in some areas of his life. Um, But when it comes to maturity, he's 10 years old. He's exactly 10 years old. And, um, you know, I don't ever want to paint the picture that my kids are like, oh, you know, my kids are prodigies. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you know, some people be like, oh, Mike, only show you the good side of parenting. And so when you get into it for real, you're like, oh, this shit is real out here. Um, You know, our kids are kids and we love them. And, you know, we are here to protect them. And as a father, there's a very unique role that I know I have to play. And it was in full display in this meeting. Like, oh, if I would imagine that if it was just a mom, I could imagine what would happen if it was just a mom in that room. I could imagine because the way that they approach the situation, it would have been different. And I could imagine if it was just a dad. I could imagine if it was just a dad, the results I think would be very, very different. But anyhow, thank you so much for tuning in uh, this week. Uh, this is episode three. Um, of season two of the idea of manhood yo uh, this is five mics hit me up on the idea manhood.com uh, go to iTunes subscribe comment rate share it whatever you gotta do let people know what we got going on here thank you so much for tuning in and I'll holler at y'all later peace